Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. We are right smack in the middle of two pretty cool Sundays. Last Sunday was the Solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. And this upcoming Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. Bishop Frank's going to talk about both on today's episode of Let Me Be Frank. And hey, did you know that you can take Veritas Catholic Network with you wherever you go? All you have to do is download the Veritas Catholic Network app, and then you can listen to the live broadcast 24 hours a day. You can grab podcasts of our shows like Let Me Be Frank and the new show Restless and more. It's right at your fingertips on your phone. Download the Veritas Catholic Network app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or visit www.veritascatholic.com. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, everybody. It is my pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good to see you, as always. Nice to see you, Excellency. Um, you know, we find ourselves today right smack in the middle uh, between the Feast of Christ the King and the first mm-hmm. Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you make of it? What do we make of it? Well, it's kind of a cool time of year. And we're on the doorstep of of the new year, the new liturgical year. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, maybe you could kind of help us reflect on the Feast of Christ the King. Absolutely. Because it's something that often crosses my mind. One of the most beautiful prefaces of all the prefaces we have is the one for Christ the King. And it speaks of the kingdom as a place of kingdom of joy and peace, a kingdom of righteousness and love, a kingdom of forgiveness and mercy, and, and so on and so on. Um, I may have mentioned this in an earlier podcast, I don't remember, but you know, when I grew up in Brooklyn, I went to parochial school, I went to our parish school, mm-hmm. and the Sisters of St. Dominic of Kentucky were my teachers. Tremendous. Tremendous. Don't cross them. Tremendous. <laughs> okay. And, you know, the morning ritual. Did I speak about the morning ritual? No, you have not. So, oh, it's all about Christ the King in the end. Okay. Because it was always the same. Always. We arrived, put your books away, coats away, go to your seat and sit. Sister called, class in session. We all stood up. Morning prayer first. Guardian angel was the last prayer we prayed. And then she, from when we were kids, little, 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 turned to the opposite side, and there was an American flag, and they taught us, put your hand, your right hand over your heart, and pledge allegiance to the United States. You know what, Steve? I've, I've said that pledge literally thousands of times in my life. So have you, right? Yes, yes. But I did not understand what it really meant until I began to grow a bit older. And it began with those morning newscasts, you weren't even born, morning newscasts during the Vietnam War that every night they would show three or five or two or six caskets with an American flag coming off planes of young people who were dying in Vietnam. Mm. I began to glimpse what I call the catechism of allegiance to the United States, a short formula that says so much, you know, that this country with all its problems and challenges, uh, we pledge our allegiance to it and to one another Mm -hmm. and to its values and principles, and that there are those who honor it, recognize it, and are willing to serve and sacrifice for it. You know, the older I became, the more I realized it is It is a sacred duty in some way. And when our country does things well, then it is a beautiful duty as well to do. Yes. That's for another podcast, all right? Right. Social critique. (laughs) But why do I say all this? I say all this because the insight of the Feast of Christ the King is that as beautiful and sacred the allegiance is to our own country, for example, and its principle, its true principles, there, there is an allegiance to a far higher authority. 
and that is the kingship of Christ. Yeah. Who came unlike any other king and asked us to pledge allegiance to him through baptism and discipleship so that we might share in his riches. So we have a king who's not interested in conquest except the conquest of sin. We have a king who does not lead with brute force or violence, but with love and mercy. And we have a king who leads us in battle, doesn't order us into battle, and stays behind the castle, wherever they happen to be, right? So intimately involved in our life, got his hands dirty with humanity, all things like us but sin. Yes. And if you recall on Sunday, it was Matthew 25 once again, where we talked about this king inviting into his kingdom the sick, the lame, the blind, the imprisoned, and all the rest. Right. So, right. so when we say Christ the King, it's the same functions as when we say allegiance to a country. It's allegiance to a king. This is an eternal allegiance. And what do you need to do? Three things. One, recognize the authority. Two, honor the authority. Three, serve generously and sacrificially. So this is the question. Number one, do we recognize and acknowledge Christ's kingship over my life? You may say, of course I do, Bishop. It's a stupid question to ask. Well, it's not stupid, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a part of everybody's life we have not yet given over to allegiance to Jesus Christ. Right. Right? And it's not mm -hmm. good enough to have 45%, 65%, 85%. It's 100%. It has to be 100%. When a person dies in defense of our country, that person's not giving 62.5%. They're giving 100% in that moment. Yes. Right? And the early church martyrs and all the martyrs of the church knew in that moment, it's all or nothing. So how come you have to have a gun staring you in the head? Right? Yes. To, to, to recognize we strive to do that every moment. So number one, so what part of my life is not in allegiance to Christ the King? Number one. Number two, to honor him. How do you honor him? You spend time with him, prayer. You follow what he asks, right? You do what you're told. People under authority don't say, oh, by the way, let's negotiate. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Okay. And then ultimately is to serve and to serve generously. And, and we've been talking about for the last few weeks, right? Yes. At mass and it's to serve. So, I think it's a beautiful feast. Yeah. It's, Tell me. You know, so... Uh, I want to uh, ask you about that first thing, the recognized authority and um, how do we um, actually in our actions, in our thoughts, how do we more fully align our lives to Christ the King's authority? Like what, what should I, Steve Lee, be doing differently, more of, less of? Okay. Omission, commission. So let's talk about commission. So what part of Steve Lee, Frank Caggiano, anybody's life is still not totally converted? Mm -hmm. That still kind of likes the light and sometimes likes the shadows. That behavior we have that if anybody else saw it, they'd say, is this guy kidding? <laughs> and he claims to be, uh, you know, a Catholic layman, a Catholic priest, a Catholic bishop, a Catholic anything, mm -hmm. right? Where are we comfortable with our sins is really what it comes down to. Hmm. And that is where allegiance is wanting. And then omission, which good people are often guilty of. Lost opportunities. And I'll give you an example. How often do we not have Christ on our lips when we're in the public square or the political square or the economic places that we go to or when we recreate or the country club or the gym, or stop and shop, and I could, shall I go on? Or the schoolyard, no. yeah. or the kitchen table, or the Thanksgiving day table. Yeah. Okay? So we, we mince our words. Well, that's, you can't mince your words. In the military, they don't mince their words. They know what they're there for, mm -hmm. right? But the yes. same for us. It's the same for us. And what's the battle? The battle is not against our neighbor. The battle is against falsehood. The battle is against evil. The battle is against darkness. The battle is anything that den denigrates human life. It's the battle against division, 
uh, against uh, an acrid attitude that tears people down. That's the battle. That's what the king is asking us to do. And he's with us in his Holy Spirit. He's leading the charge. Yeah. Right? So then, so that's, so, so my response for all of us to think about is, so what part of my life, looking myself in the mirror, can I honestly say that I have not given over to Christ in allegiance to him? And just be, just admit it, whatever it is. Yeah. And whatever it is, you got to work on it. And now that we're starting a new year next next week, a new liturgical year, right? It's the perfect time. It's New Year's for for Catholics. First yes. Sunday of Advent. Yes. Let's let's do it. Yeah. Let's use the year to work on it. It's a time for resolution. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I love uh, um, in Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis, his description, he said, this world is enemy-occupied territory, and Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise. And then Lewis goes on to tell us he's calling us now to take part in this great campaign of sabotage. Because there was already a Caesar. Mm. And you draw the parallels of uh, the choirs or the battalions of angels versus the battalions that Caesar used to oppress his people. That Caesar walked and the palms would have been thrown at his feet. And we have a king that was born into the poverty of a manger with animals. And all that comes with animals overnight at his feet. Right? C.S. Lewis says that beautiful image of crossing enemy lines because the world could not possibly have imagined that the true king would have come that way. Yeah. Right? Right. (laughs) Okay. So this is the point. How do we surprise the world with our allegiance? That, my friend, is evangelization. It's not beating people over the head with a Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's surprising them with God's inbreaking right in front of their face. Not, and they're not expecting it because they didn't expect that they would find someone whose life is totally in allegiance with the God who is this new type of king we, 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 we honor and worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we can take part, as Lewis wrote, and as you're saying, Excellency, we can take part in the kingdom of God by advancing the kingdom of God. Go, therefore, and make, make disciples of all nations. Right, right. But let me say this, though, and this hopefully doesn't offend anyone, but, you know, royalty continues in the world, human royalty, even though basically we, we live in a time when... Um, Most people are espousing more of a democratic approach to life in their governments and stuff. So you think of the United Kingdom. Elizabeth has been on the throne, my goodness gracious, I don't know, 60, somewhat, 67 years, whatever. Right. And why I mention it is this. There is an honest fascination with the trappings of royalty with mm-hmm. most people. Not yeah. everyone, but a good number of people, right? They yes. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of that with uh, John F. Kennedy. Camelot. They were kind of like uh, Camelot, right? Kind of like a and so so that trap, all those trappings, they're beautiful and they're they're they, they uplift and they the pageantry and the music. Okay, our king doesn't have that. Yeah, our king's throne is the cross. His crown is made of thorns. Right? So there is something in us that needs to change to see the beauty and the power of that when we are almost naturally inclined to see it in the purple, the ermine, the gold, the jewels, the chariots, the whatever comes with it. Yeah. There's a reorientation of your life to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and 
so in in the first reading from Sunday, in uh, Ezekiel talked about Jesus as the shepherd who cares for his mm-hmm. sheep. We have he gives us this image of a very loving, devoted king. Except if you're sleek and strong, and then he will destroy you. Right. Yeah. Uh, because because, um, in part, um, they presumably are the ones that have decided to be king themselves. And you cannot have two Caesars. Caesar found that out. Mm-hmm. The hard way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with the, you know, you were saying, um, uh, are we evangelizing um, at the dinner table, at stop and shop, at school, at work? Um, but and, just speaking and- about our faith, Steve, forgive me interrupting, not to evangelize by, you know, repent and convert. Just talking about your Christian faith, your Catholic faith. Yes. Yeah. When the occasion arises. And your actions, as you did it to the least of my brethren. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, for example, when I drove up here to Bridgeport, okay, and I was on the highway, and um, the person was trying to get onto the merit, and I slowed down. And the person hesitated because I think they were shocked. <laughs> and they came on to the highway and he rolled down his windows and he's waving like, wow. <laughs> now, why do I raise that? It's because in almost a silly way, although it's actually not silly, that person, whoever it was, was surprised yeah. by the inbreaking of kindness. Yeah. That is maintaining our allegiance to Christ. Christ visited that person. Okay. On the merit of all places. (laughs) (laughs) What a shame that that would be such a surprise that someone would act like that. But again, we, you know, the world, the world is not uh, aligned with our, our values and our sensibilities. No. Right. If you were to draw the parallel of the two Caesars, um, the one, the Caesar of the world, um, stands for a lot that the true Lord of all things um, does not stand for. And you just can't escape it. You just can't. And I must say this too. I'm getting a, a number of emails from people talking about uh, the church and how we have to fight back about COVID and the closings and all the rest. And I perfectly understand the sentiment. And there's a part of me that actually shares the same anger that we Mm. are in this position. But the truth of the matter is, if you perceive what's happening to the church as persecution, then you know what? It is something that in the end will strengthen the church. Yeah, right. Because allegiance to Christ has to cost. Right? Yes. Yep. Anyway. And yeah, and uh, if this is a sort of um, soft martyrdom, then the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Always. So always, always. You, you know, I wanted to ask you uh, back to the readings. Um, in the epistle, Paul wrote um, about how uh, Jesus will destroy every sovereignty and all yes. of his enemies. Uh, there's a part that struck out to me, and I wonder if you could um, help me think about this. He says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The question being? Just... uh, Is it chronological? Is it... Yes. Yeah. Was it chronological? What does he mean Uh, when he says that? Remember, remember, all of the effects of salvation are given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. So Christ died, Christ rose, Christ ascended, Christ is in glory, taking his place once again, right, as the eternal son. All of that is his. It becomes ours when we allow the Holy Spirit to be the sacred bridge and we are baptized into his name and all that grace comes to us, all right, if we open our hearts. 
So death is conquered in Christ, but it is not yet conquered in me hmm. or you. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when the second coming occurs and the king returns in power, in majesty, in dignity, and in fire, when he comes, there will be no more death for anyone or anything. At that moment, that glimpse, that flash, that twinkling of a moment, all creation will either be at peace or all creation or whatever's left of creation will be in eternal damnation of its own choosing, of its own choosing. Yeah. yeah. So that's when death is done. That, that image is both um, frightening and um, uh, just, uh, I don't know what the word is, amazing. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, right? Yes. It's awesome in the true sense. Fear and trembling, and there's a wonder to it. Did I tell you the, the saying I, um, that I stumbled upon? Um, I believe it was from St. Teresa. Okay. About this very thing. Um, she said, and I'm paraphrasing, when the devil tempts you not to forget your past, you remind him of his future. Oof. Yeah. That's what, there will be no more death. Yeah. His reign will be over. And he knows it. And he knows it's coming. Yeah. So he's desperate to bring as much with him. But our allegiance is to Christ the King, not to anyone or anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It, mm -hmm. It's good to know. It's, um, it's encouraging. Encouraging isn't even strong enough a word to, to think that, you know, in the midst of what's happening around us, right, with, mm -hmm. as the, the bishops um, discussed last week with the McCarrick report, but also with the elections and the hurricanes and the COVID and all, everything, uh, in the midst of all that, we have a king, and he's already won the battle. Right, right. But in the strangest way. <laughs> because everything that he is defeating seems to be victorious. No? Yes. Yeah. Right. That's why it's a campaign of sabotage that we're involved right. in. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. But it's also a veneer. See, in the end... What's enticing about evil, it gives, it, it gives the appearance of an apparent good, but it's a lie. And when you scratch the surface, you realize that it is a lie. And a perfect example, I, I go out and I consume everything I want. I have everything I want, every comfort, every luxury, everything I've ever looked at. I've, I've maxed out my Amazon Prime. I've done everything <laughs> I have. I have everything you could possibly imagine. And why am I miserable? Yeah. Why am I lonely? Why am I anxious? Why? Well, because that's not a victory. It's a defeat. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so the evil one only makes like mirages yeah. in life. And you know what? And we all have to learn. I've learned it in my own life. We all have to learn it. We've got to keep learning it, keep relearning it as we grow older. Yes. Yeah. Excellency, let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and uh, mm -hmm. we'll talk about Advent and the start of the new liturgical year when we come back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So. Let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, featuring Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, Excellency, as you mentioned, we talked about Christ the King, and Christ the King leads us right into Advent. And yep. I Happy I New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. <laughs> the, the start of the new liturgical year. I thought, you know, we could start also um, with everybody loves your stories from Brooklyn mm -hmm. and since then. So maybe if you have any stories of Advent, uh, you know, traditions as you were growing up, 
um, or any that you picked up along the way since then? Well, you know what? It's interesting. Growing up, there wasn't much of an awareness of Advent in my house. Um, it was, as we mentioned last time, it was the Immaculate Conception. That was it, right? Yes. That was, and then it was preparation for Christmas. It was only as I grew older, and then of course when I went to the college seminary in Douglaston, did Advent factor into it, to into the to, in prominence as to the important season that is it that it is, right? And I remember when I was sacristan, putting up the greens, the holly for Advent with purple bows and mm -hmm. not red bows, mm -hmm. because what is Advent? advenire, to come. And, and ostensibly, Advent celebrates two comings of Christ. The coming in flesh at Christmas, of which it's the proximate preparation, spiritual preparation. And there's also the celebration of the second coming of Christ as King and Victor, which we just spoke about. Yes. So it's the two comings. And then the fathers of the church spoke of a third coming, which is Christ's coming under the form of bread and wine in his true presence in our midst. And that's the link between Christmas and the second coming. That mm -hmm. presence gets us from one to the other. So the priest wears purple vestments. And what's interesting about that is while Advent is a penitential time, it's a penitential time for both comings, not just to get ready for Christmas, but it's a penance, a, an ongoing moment of conversion for your own judgment, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, and for Christ's second coming into the world. So you shift dramatically from green, and now of course Christ the King, and you shift into this great simplicity and quiet, and the days are getting shorter, and the growing darkness, and it just brings back tremendous memories in my mind. You know, I love winter. I love winter. Mm -hmm. And most people saying, this man needs help. <laughs> I love winter. Not because I ski, because I don't ski. I don't even know how. Not because I will go to these resorts. I have no desire. <laughs> but in a strange sort of way, way before there was COVID, Winter brought my family together indoors much more than summer. Yeah. And I loved that. I loved the smell of the radiators getting hot and having that odor from the silver paint that God knows how many times they were painted. <laughs> I loved leaning out of the kitchen window when I was a little boy. It had the... What do you call those things? Like the safety bars. It did. Yes. But there was enough room to lean out and have the workmen who would go up and down Avenue putting up the Christmas lights across the street, you know, go from one corner to the other. Uh, but they weren't lit. Hmm. See, that was all in the season of Advent. So that sense of preparation for Christmas was so ingrained, even though we couldn't do it in-house. In the world was doing it. This was, of course, when people respected the fact that Christmas, you know, you wait till Thanksgiving. Now they do it on, I don't know, on Labor Day. But, I mean, it's, <laughs> right? but so there was this sense of safety and protection. There was, was this sense of being at home, almost kind of like a, a spiritual huddling together in the warmth of the house in the safety and protection it gives. Yeah against the elements out there that were cold and dark. And, uh, you know, if there's a psychologist listening, he must be saying this man needs therapy. But I mean, <laughs> if you ask me, that's what I remember. And therefore Christmas is the festival of light, mm. the light of the world. I mean, it spoke to me without words in, in a deep, subliminal, imaginative way. Um, and it's, you know, it's St. Augustine, I think, who said that Christmas comes after the winter solstice. So the light comes into the world 
at the moment of the world's greatest darkness because the light begins to grow. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. And in the ancient cultures, too, I can keep going on and on. Anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, and so that that magic, uh, um, that that deep feeling that you felt at Christmas was undoubtedly uh, in large part due to the preparation that you're talking about that not just you and your family did, but that, it, you know, right. the greater society respected. And I'll tell you, right. like these days, Advent is probably the busiest time of year for folks because they're decorating, shopping, planning de get, get togethers, cooking. It's really easy to lose sight of what we really should be preparing for. So um, I guess, yeah. Well, let me I, I ask guess, you this. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, Steve. That those things don't happen to us. We choose to do them. Yeah. Right? And I'm, not, and I'm not suggesting to anyone, because I myself do it, not to be prepared and do the things you described. But for a period of time, a few days, to clear out calendars and just sit into the mystery of what we're preparing for is not unreasonable. Everyone can do that. Yeah. And make them prayerful days to say, all right, I've done all this other preparation, but this is the gift I'm awaiting. So w w there's darkness in my life. The light is coming. Will I allow him access to that darkness to shed light, right, healing? I just, yeah. And, and of course, I love snow. I love snow. Why do I love snow? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because growing up in Brooklyn, when it snowed, there was peace. Mm. There was quiet. There was a stillness. Mm -hmm. I remember many a day looking out that kitchen window on the third floor of that building where Manufacturers Hanover Trust of Happy Memory was the <laughs> bank at the, on the ground level. And the snow was pristine. Not a single footprint. Yeah. And... That quiet so struck me because it was a sharp, such sharp contrast to the hustle and bustle of life, which you're more tuned to in the city than, let's say, in the suburbs. Right? Sure, yeah. That um, I've always found uh, when it snows to be a time when to pray for me is very easy. Very easy. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's even like a uh, like a, a muffled, muted quality to the sounds when you're out in a in a in the snow. I mean, there's no echo. Um, right, 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 right. So, so and silencing yourself, we should take time, silence our minds and our hearts to prepare um, for He who is already here. He yes. is already here. Okay, and let me ask you this. Let's tie the two together. If Queen Elizabeth came to, I don't know, an auditorium, a place, your home, mm -hmm. you would naturally get up, stand up, and notice. I mean, you would acknowledge. Yes. Right? Um, any person of authority, if the Pope came, he wouldn't be saying, buddy, have a seat. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay? But the Lord of all things is here and we don't acknowledge. So how, how can we, how can we, what are some practical things that we can do to acknowledge that um, on a day-to-day -day basis? Okay, I have, oh, it's very interesting you say that. I have gotten into the habit of when I mention the Lord's name, I bow my head slightly. Mm -hmm. An old custom that the Dominicans taught when I was a boy that's fallen out of favor. Why do I do that? It's acknowledging his, his authority over me. Yeah. Okay, because when you stand before the Queen of England, protocol says you slightly bow your head. Mm -hmm. Well, why do I do that to an earthly figure and not do it for the real king of all things? Yeah. That sounds almost pietistical, but it works. Well, and it, and it's scriptural. You know, at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend. Right. So, right. yes. Awesome. Right. And also, 
in church, you've heard me say this before, is first when you come into church, acknowledge where the Lord is in the Blessed Sacrament yes. and reverence it correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We would do no differently for anybody in authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a question I have, Excellency. So uh, in the silence, not when I'm in adoration, or but just let's say, let's say we get a nice snowfall um, this event, and I go to take a walk in mm-hmm. silence for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. What am I asking Jesus at that moment? Or nothing, 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 okay. nothing, nothing. No more asking. <laughs> Just be, be in His presence. You know, and why I, why I'm 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 saying this is because. In prayer, there's too much talking. Yes. As if we're telling God something we just thought up. Stop already. <laughs> In the snow, I would suggest it the snow is just go out and still your mind and be surprised that the mm. king is speaking. He's speaking in the things you're going to see. In the emotions that well up that are there that you're, you and I are too busy being distracted. In the memories, in the memories, he speaks. In the imagination, he speaks. He's speaking all the time. And I find it amazing when a person says, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, that's true. He may not have answered the prayer you offered, mm-hmm. but he is speaking to you. Yes. And Advent's a great time to relearn that, to relearn that. Plus the prophets of the Old Testament, right? Uh, Isaiah in particular, to be able to, to read their prophecies. It's human life. They're presenting human life and the human desires and longings of life. Uh, in the Psalms too, we have written large on all those Psalms, triumphs and defeats, longings and desires, failures and triumphs. It's all there. It's all there. Advent's a great time for people who want to have a spiritual exercise is to read, take one of the prophets and read them. Read the book. Hmm. And not with the goal, I got to read the whole thing. Just start reading. And if I may hijack your, your thought, so go for a walk. Before you go, sit quietly, read a passage, and then just go. Yeah. Go. And let it take root in your life and see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah is you know a good what? one to start with. I, I've had many a good cry in those walks hmm. of, of memories of the past, okay? And regrets and things for which I've turned to the Lord and I have asked for him to forgive and words that were not spoken, all in the memories. And I do believe all that is healed because the Lord can do all this. I can't, he can. Yeah. So if I could be a little bit, you know, almost melodramatic if I may, but if, if there are words that I've not said to someone that I had wanted to, and now they have gone through the mystery of death, I can't tell them those words, but the Lord can mm-hmm. and will. Yeah. So prayer is is an offering of mind, heart, and will to the Lord, right? And it and then I had consolations. I mean, sometimes when I go for these walks, um, you know, people must look at me and think I'm nuts, because sometimes I am just laughing out loud, <laughs> and, right? But but then there are other things that cross my mind. Anyway, you may. I, I, the point is, Advent is a great time to do that. Yes. Would you recommend also um, prayer and fasting during Advent, almost like we do in Lent? Um, yes, of course. It is a penitential season. It's not primary focus penitential necessarily. But yeah, but that's always a healthy thing to do, without a doubt. Yeah. Remember the Christmas novena that's fallen out of favor. Oh, I don't know the about Christmas- that. Oh yeah, the Christmas novena would be the the uh, the nine days with the ninth day being Christmas of of prayers and and the, if you go online you could there are different versions, hmm. 
All right, it mirrors the O antiphons. Right. That okay. is the period of the Christmas novena where the coming of Christ in, in Bethlehem is become more proximate, more close. And therefore, that period of time, many times in the past, people have abstained from meat through the whole period or have done some partial fast through that whole period. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Yeah. So there's uh, an important spiritual, com huge spiritual component of Advent. Uh, for people like me, um, uh, and actually you've got, um, you don't have your own kids and grandkids, but you've got your uh, nieces and nephews and your great, great um, niece and nephew. Niece and nephew. Uh, we've got in our house, I'm sure we're going to um, get an Advent wreath. We'll do mm -hmm. a Jesse tree. I mean, all these all these things. Do you do you do do do, uh, do your does your extended family do the kids there do the advent wreath? Do they make one? Do they? Well, that's a great question. I really honestly don't know. I I, shall, I will ask that question now. All right, at Thanksgiving. All right, but um, I uh, I honestly don't know. I myself used to have one, and um, a few years ago. And I would light the candles. A few years ago, I, um, I lit the candles. I celebrated evening prayer. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to blow the candles out. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. And I'm not exactly sure what the reason was for me to go back. But I went back to my room and I realized it. Wow. And I, of course, thank God I blew them out. And yeah. I said to myself, you know what? You know, because I have so many things on my mind, I'm distracted. I sometimes say to myself, so I have, I do have one, but I don't like the candles. Just okay. to be on the safe side. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> so, but every, every church will light the candle uh, for the Advent wreath, uh, the first one, this Sunday. Can you maybe mm -hmm. uh, catechize us a little bit about the Advent wreath? Well, it's, each candle is the Sunday of Advent, right? Yes. And the third one is pink because it is Gaudete Sunday. Yes. And um, it's the progression towards uh, Christmas. Now, technically speaking, there is no place in the liturgy for an Advent wreath. It is one of the many traditions that have come through that parishes have adopted. But there really isn't, in the, at least in the ritual that I that I. I'm familiar with where there's one, there's a part where that's incorporated in the actual celebration of mass, but many do. It's really more of a home celebration okay. to your point okay. than a parish one. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. Uh, and you know what? When I was pastor at St. Dominic's, one of the most popular devotions we had was the Advent giving tree. Yes. One year we collected over seven hundred gifts in that tree wow it was a mountain of things and i love the image because in the end it is the giving birth right of the love of neighbor that comes to us through love taking flesh in bethlehem it's mm. just a, it's a beautiful expression of of catholic faith so this is this is the, the tree that's left in the, in the narthex of a mm -hmm. church, and it'll mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, quote, ornaments, but they're really um, gift... Uh, suggestions. Suggestions, yes. Yep. And it usually says boy or girl, and it usually says kind of a, an age, and it sometimes actually suggests what the gift is, 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 is because there are needs out there. Yeah. And I, I was never, I never ceased to, to be amazed at how many of those gifts were socks. 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 Right, wow. socks. And how many socks do we have in our drawers at home? Yep. Socks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pampers, diapers for infants, formula. Stuff we take for granted. Yeah, and those are Christmas gift wishes. That's really... How will, how will Christmas among Christians be celebrated in the South Sudan, mm. where people are running for their lives and running 
from this barrage of locusts that is eating everything around them, or in um, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or in on the West Bank, or, and I could go on and on and on. I mean, we as Americans are so wildly blessed, even with our challenges and problems, Yeah, that it's, it's, it's almost um, disheartening to see the level of entitlement that exists among a growing number of our fellow Americans, and sometimes ourselves, myself mm -hmm. included. Yeah. When the gratitude of other peoples in the world for the simple things would pale in comparison to the gratitude we express for everything we have. Right. So Christmas morning, we're going to get up, right? And we're going to pour water into a pot and we're going to make coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. In countries in Africa, some people have to walk five miles each way to get that pot of, of coffee. you got to be kidding me. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, without thinking of that person, I might complain about, oh, you know, I really wanted a green sweater, yeah, super, not a blue sweater. Super latte. I want a super latte with <laughs> caramel, whatever else you have. You want in your coffee for the love of God. Yeah. Right. Which is fine. But I mean, it's, it's wonderful. We could do that. I think it's wonderful. But it's a blessing. It's a gift. And we can't forget that. It's a gift. Yeah. I guess, the, you know, uh, Advent is, is, it's time for preparation, but it's also a time for joy then, right? And mm -hmm. we feel like there's so much weighing on us as Americans. Obviously, as you mentioned, there's so much weighing, so much more serious stuff weighing on other people in other parts of the world. But it's still, even for us, I mean, it can feel uh, difficult to find joy. Right. What is joy, though? How would you define joy, my friend? Well, it's not fair because we already talked about this, and so I would <laughs> use the, the so answer. So let's review now. Let's see if you could pass the test. Yeah, it's 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 uh, deeper and more penetrating than happiness, as you said, Excellency, right. because it's right. uh, it's an understanding of who we are and why we're here, that we have a purpose. We were created right. out of love, right. and we've right. been saved. Right. I would say this, all of that, everything we spoke about, we could add just one little piece to it. Joy is the satisfaction, the abiding satisfaction that I've made my allegiance to the right king. Mm. And that his banner of victory is mine. Everybody else, get in line. Yeah. That is in a sense, what Advent is, that it's, it's beautifully, I mean, it's beautifully affixed chronologically too, because the liturgical season, the, the year is the unfolding of Christ's life. So it begins with the prophecies of his birth in Advent, to Christmas, to his ministry, to Lent, to his death and resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Right. Yeah. So in the end, the beginning and end meet between Christ the King and Advent. Yeah. Right. Why the church is so wise. <laughs> oh, well, well, because it's 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 the mystical presence of Christ in the world. Yeah. Right. It's not just an organization, although yeah. the secular world wants us to believe that. Well, the secular world is wrong again. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellency, let's. Uh, we're going to take one more break now, and then uh, we got a question uh, when we come back. Great. Why do we need Catholic radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show. Whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology, I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, we got an email from Mary Ellen, and she writes this. My question is regarding ringing bells at the transubstantiation. 
Why is it done? And also, why isn't it done at every Mass? That's a great question. And to answer it, we need to remember a bit of the history here. So when the Mass, before it went into the vernacular, was celebrated in Latin, in many times, in many places, many individuals could not read Latin and understand what was going on. And therefore, the bells were introduced at the epiclesis and the moment of transubstantiation so that people could recognize, even though they didn't speak Latin, that these were the moments central to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Okay. Now, it has fallen out of use in many parishes because now that we do speak the language, the presumption is you are consciously and actively participating and therefore you are aware of what is going on. Therefore, the bells do not have the same purpose. But I am of the opinion that the bells should remain not to tell people what has happened, but to honor the Lord's coming. Right? Um, what... What I say to myself all right, are two things in the elevation of the host and the, and the chalice. I say first, Lord, thank you for visiting me. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Always, hmm. always. So the bells, in my mind, are welcoming the Lord in our midst. So they are, they are appropriate. If a parish chose not to, it's for the reason I gave. But if a parish chose to do it, presuming everyone does understand what's going on in the language, I think that's a beautiful way of continuing the tradition in our midst. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a good reminder. Like, bring, hey, it just happened. Right. Pay attention. Right. <laughs> Pay attention. Yes. Yes. Stop dozing. Pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you're listening and you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in. You can send it in on the Veritas app, on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. You can always find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and Veritas Catholic Network is there too. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, as we prepare for the great season of Advent, allow us to open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to the coming of your Son. As the child in Bethlehem, sharing our humanity, as the triumphant King to come in glory and judgment, and as he does each day under the form of bread and wine as the celestial food of eternal life. May this Advent be a time of renewal and conversion, health and peace for us all. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, Happy New Year, Steve. I'll see awesome, you next Bishop week. Frank. Okay, <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless. Bye.